0: So Alice Nash is the executive producer of Lady It's Apple, which is the highly anticipated show that's going to be coming up very soon at the Melbourne Festival, um, from back-to-back theatre company. Um, So we're just going to jump straight in. Can you tell us a little bit about the performance and what audiences can expect?
1: Okay, so the performance is in Hamer Hall. So that's a pretty big theater, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, audiences will be seeing it in a way that they've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. I won't say exactly how that is, or that might spoil the fun. Sure, yep. But it's a very ambitious and epic perform- performance um, of scale, and um, the theme of the show is mortality. So um, it's It's an exploration of the fact that beyond politics, beyond ethics, beyond all the brouhaha that is our most rich and sometimes difficult everyday lives, all we have is the human bond. So it's an ambitious scale of production Mm -hmm. and it's an ambitious thematic.
0: Um, So it's with um, Back to Back Theatre, uh, which yep. do wonderful work, but for um, listeners who haven't heard of them, can you tell us a little bit more about Back to Back Theatre and your decision to work with them?
1: Yeah, I've worked for Back to Back Theatre for about 15 years, mm-hmm. and um, Back to Back is um, an unlikely um, world <laughs> touring theatre company. It's based in DeLong, It makes all its works um, from the hearts and minds of a group of actors who have intellectual disabilities, mm-hmm. and then it tours um, uh, quite relentlessly around the world to leading contemporary arts contexts. And um, usually, when we're in Melbourne, we're in the Melbourne Festival, and um, from that point off, we spring off into the world beyond. And and we look at big issues—social, economic, political issues—that uh, speak to people. To to people of all walks of life, and 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 really, our, our main interest is in pursuing those kinds of topics through the mechanism of contemporary artistic practice. Yeah. Mm. So I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about um, the the style of theatre that um, Lady Eats Apple is in, and and how that comes about through your process what what I guess like what's what's how does the theater making process work it back to back Um. yeah so we're interested in making um, a body of work that exists um, across um, a long period of time um, that is making a contribution towards contemporary world theater on uh, um, and So every time we make a work, we'll make one and then a a whole bunch of questions will come up and they might be thematic or they might be formal. Um, Then the actors uh, go into our experimental laboratory, that's what we call it, in Geelong, and they improvise, they improvise, they improvise, they improvise. Um, The vast majority of that improvisation, just we throw it against the wall and it just falls on the floor. And then a few little um, bits stay on the wall and we work from that from something, I don't know, something in those actors that's telling us something about the world. Um, um, In terms of the the form of the work, uh, the company is quite a visual company. Um, We're interested in architectural um, space, the relationship of architectural space to audience, to performer. We're interested in inverting that, so um, putting ourselves in unusual places, so for instance, a work that really launched us on the world stage was uh one w- that we did at flinders street station actually about a decade ago at the melbourne festival and um in, th- in that environment we didn't actually have a theater we just had a seating bank at the end of flinders street station in the concourse and then a show playing out in the every day and in the case of this show we've kind of inverted it so we're just using an old hamer hall in a very very different Way. And I suppose to a certain extent, the kind of formal inversions that we undertake are driven in part by the fact that our actors have disabilities. And you wouldn't normally expect a group of uh, people with disabilities to appear um, at Hamer Hall. But in this case, they will, you know, um, be placed in the space or occupy the space in a way which is very startling. And I, I guess when I think of it um, metaphorically, in terms of what we're trying to achieve, we're, we're trying to, um, I don't know, give people a sense of something that's slightly beyond their reach or something that's seemingly impossible. So we're, we're trying to make shows that um, expose possibilities, and, um, and that plays out both in the form of the work and in its narrative.
0: Um. Yeah, well, actually, because you were were talking about the architecture and how that that plays a big part in the um, process because Hamer Hall is such a huge venue and typically for, um, you know, classical music. Um, So in the process when you were um, coming up with the idea for Lady Eats Apple, was that also collaborative in terms of thinking about how to use the space with all the...
1: Yeah, I guess, guess, you know, a long time ago we wanted to make a really big show and then, you know, just a little theatre company from Geelong and... So we, uh, you know, people kind of going, I don't think so. So we actually worked with um, Deakin University and the School of Architecture there, and we actually built our own very ephemeral um, uh, performance space, which, which was about 50 meters long and housed about 200 audience members. And, and from then on, um, and then we realized that our actors, who aren't necessarily formally trained, they throw the black the stalls, that they, they, we perhaps needed a really large sound system. Um, And then we realized, no, 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 we didn't need that. We could just give the audience headphones. So actually the company pioneered uh, about a decade ago now the use of headphones. So when we did that show in Center Street Station, we actually realized we didn't need a venue. Um, We could just create an oral architecture for our audience through headphones. In this show, we employ both um, headphone technology and a very vast space, which is completely inverted for the audience. So, yes, I mean, in a sense, it, it actually is the identity of the actors and their, their capacities that actually lead us to technical solutions, which then are, um, I guess, um, forging new aesthetics in theatre. Um, so it's, it's taking a position of, um, say, perceived disadvantage mm-hmm. and creating a technical solution or a formal solution or a theatrical solution that opens up um, new new forms of creating spe- um, theater, new forms of engaging with audiences.
0: Mm. That was actually I'm um, going to be my next question, which is: Do you think having to kind of creatively problem solve is really um, you know a big part of the, kind of the process and the inspiration behind a lot of the works?
1: Um, I think you know it's very hard to make good theater of any kind, and it's very hard in in an environment where artistic practice is, you know, it's, it's hard to get up a good show, and I suppose um, we perceive what our advantages are, are that we have time and we have space, mm-hmm. and, and I suppose um, we believe it's important to give time and space to make a work of quality. And um, so we have a very slow process. I mean, uh, I must say we do a lot of other things other than just make work. We tour, we do workshops, we do a lot of advocacy Mm -hmm. and things like that. So we're not sitting in in our our space every day making the work. But I, I think that the slowness of the process, the collaborative nature of the process, the need to actually grapple with things quite slowly, and from kind of multiple perspectives, or kind of flip them over and kind of go, how does it look this way? Is actually a hallmark and a real strength of the work. Um, so, it, and that's the identity of the company demands that, but it's actually very much um, part of the reason why the work ends up um, having resonance with audiences, I believe. Mm. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like a really interesting, quite ambitious um, show. It's on mm. at, I believe, it's on for the Melbourne Festival, is that right? Um, yeah. And it's on, it's running from the 8th to the 13th of October. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so everyone should get down and, and check it out. It sounds really great. Um, it's pretty wild. It, it, will be, it will be pretty wild. And I think there'll be a point in the second act where it might even be a little bit terrifying. So, um, I mean, in in a kind of theatrically disorienting way. Mm -hmm. So, I'm really excited to see, um, like, the uh, the ambition of that act is is to this is going to sound pretty wild. It's to represent the unconscious as landscape in theatre which is a pretty oh. ambitious little goal for a, a little scene, in a, a big scene in a big theatre show. But, you know, that's what we're trying to do. So if it hits well, it should be terrifying and wondrous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've already got my tickets, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, okay, yeah. well, that's great. So just to jump online, jump onto the Melbourne Festival, people want tickets or more information. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds great. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, thanks so yeah. much
0: for um, chatting to us, Alice.
1: No, thanks so much for having me along. Cheers. Ciao. Um.